Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome once again to the Network Show. It's been a little while, but joining me as always, Spread, how are things in California? How are things on the other side? How is that Pacific Ocean looking? Have you seen it in a while? How's it going out there? Is anything on fire? Nothing's on fire. The weather's beautiful. And it seems that I'm the uh, the only member of the Net Worth Podcast still clinging to a pseudonym. But if the great Samuel Clemens <laughs> can do it, so can I. So uh, I, I'd like to hear about this name change, though, Jorge. What you got going on? I'm still going to call you Jorge. It's been two years. It's in, ingrained in my brain. Well, in no classic spread style, as an old person, John has been John for, what, a month now? Yeah. Um, he's finally pointing this out. So uh, <laughs> go ahead. You know, our Canadian correspondent, no longer a Jorge, uh, folks, Yeah, no, I noticed after about a month. <laughs> I just needed uh, – I wanted the Tweets Tennis in my name, and I couldn't fit the full Tweets Tennis in my name with Jorge there. I'm like, why do I need this name? Like, I'm not working in sports media. It's not 2016 when betting was still somewhat frowned upon, wasn't talked about in, in daily talk shows. So I was like, screw it. I can just put my name. I'm like my face has been out here for years now. So like, why the hell not just have my real freaking name associated with it? I didn't even notice you changed your handle. That's important. I have to. Yeah, that, to that's what I was. Go- it was just this week you changed. Oh, I had right? I had learned. Yeah, so, but that's yeah, was, smart. This week that's I changed okay, the handle. Folks. Yeah. We're not here to talk about Twitter handles. We're in fact here finally to talk about tennis. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll be back to talk about the men's side of the draw, but we have the women's draw out. Um, it's jam-packed. We're in Miami. This is going to be fantastic. It is a bigger draw, but there's a lot of buys. Again, this is a 1,000 level, so between a um, Grand Slam and a normal tournament, if you will. We'll start the first quarter. Ashley Barty is our one seed. Savalenka is the seventh seed down there at the bottom. A bunch of names in the middle again. We've got some qualifiers still. We'll talk about them as we go through the draw. Ostapenko is here. Kerber is here. Azarenka is here. Benchich is here. Uh, Vajrasova, Kuder, Matova, a bunch of great names. Um, we'll start with you here, John. I mean, we've got Ashley Barty. We've got Savalenka. We've got Azarenka. Those are the big names, but there's some question marks about each. So do you see value in maybe somebody else? Yeah, I think I'm going to go a little off the board here with a smaller bet. And, and look at someone like Marketa Vondrasova. Uh, we talked in prep about, you know, another option potentially being Veronica Kudermatova in, in, as well at, at those elevated numbers. Vondrasova sitting in about 66 to 1 right now. I do think these courts should play decently for her with her very, um, I don't know how you would describe it, uh, awkward game, if you will. Not a ton of power in the ground strokes. Good ball retrieving, great angling. Um, can really, you know, hit down the line from either wing. Just a lot of different uh, stuff she can do, and especially when the when the courts slow down and she can't, you know, she's not pure defending and can can kind of work some of that variety. And I think she she could really make some noise here. Uh, I'm still not sold on Belinda Benchich. She had that one run, um, I believe, the, was it the week after the Aussie? It's some. I'm just not completely sold on her being a really tough match in the third round. I'm certainly not sold on uh, Wang Chiang, who has looked awful this year in at least all the tape study I've done on her. Far too erratic, uh, and I think that Vondrasova will eat her up. Um, not a ton of qualifiers, I think, that are going to give her too much trouble on these slow courts in Miami either. So, you know, that I have her fairly easily progressing uh, through to the fourth round, um, and I think you'll see that's where things start to get a bit tougher. I think there she'll meet uh, Arena Sabalenka and uh, hope or Kudermatova if you want to put a small amount on both and hope what they both get there. But I, I do think that this could be a spot where all things considered with the conditions, this might be the one spot that Arena might be a little bit vulnerable. 
as I start to look at this, this is one of the tougher quarters, not just in terms of who's in it, but placement. I think the winner of the second quarter is going to be very good, and I think whoever comes out of the bottom half is going to be very competitive. So being in this quarter is already a tough spot. You know, you look at Ashley Barty. She's the defending champion. Um, should do very well in these courts. But this will be her first match in over a year outside of Australia. Um, Azarenka has done very well here, but it's been a little while since, since she has. Sabalenka is outdoors. The courts are a little bit slower. You know, what do you see in here in the first quarter spread? Anything to add? Yeah, it's weird to say this, but the wild card is the number one seed, Ash Barty. It's, it's the wild card here because she's the number one seed, but we know that this has been weird as far as the points not coming off, right? So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time since the pandemic that points will be coming off of a tournament, right? So Ash Barty's number one seed, but what has she really done in the last year to earn that number one seed? Wasn't that impressed with her in Australia? And I think just assuming that she's going to come over um, to, to America and start playing well and find her form, I think that's a pretty tough assumption to make. So you cross her off the list, right, and you start looking at other ones. But in the back of your mind, you know that she does have the potential, and if she does find the form, she could beat anyone here. So I do think she's the wild card. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Vika Azarenka looks, and it's funny how my mind remembers just certain random things. But <laughs> whenever I think of Vika now in this tournament, I think of her going back to the French Open where she was complaining about the cold, and she could tell the umpire, I- I'm from Florida. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> She better do well here because she's from Florida. She can't complain about the weather. This is where she lives. Um, you know, of course, Penko's in here, but I-, I really can't see her making it to the third round at most. I think she'll have problems uh, with Allie Risk in the second round, but I- she does have the upset potential there. And I'll tell you what, I I think that Belinda, I, I think I believe in her a little more um, than John does. I, I was impressed by by watching her play over in Doha, and I do think that these conditions can suit her quite well. So I think that, like, um, if you're going to go for a dog quarter winner, my favorite look is Belinda Benchik. Yeah, as, again, as I start to look at this quarter, I, I like the idea of maybe a Kuder Matova or maybe – um, you know, again, John Bondrasova, I like that name that you picked out. As a rank at 25 to 1 is, is close. I'm going to look around and see if I can find a better number there. But she has a fairly steady draw. If Barty struggles and gets knocked out, she kind of has a pretty clean walk there to the quarterfinals where she'll see Sabalenka, you know, um, maybe Vondrasova, maybe Kudermatova again. Um, worst case, it's kind of a pick on there. So I, I've got um, as a rank a twenty-five to one circle. I'm going to look for a little better number there, but I'll probably end up with just some small money there. But that, that's the only play I have in the first quarter. Anything else you guys want to add before we jump to the next quarter? I, I would just agree on the as a rank front. I think that you know, courts wise, um, she's not going to mind the slow courts too too much. She's not someone that's very. She's not as volatile in terms of her consistency as someone like Arena Sabalenka is. I think she's got obviously the serve. She loves to hit hard, but she's also a little more consistent than some of the bigger hitters on tour. So um, I think that's why you've seen, I think in the past, she's had some success in Miami uh, and she does enjoy it here. And, and of course she's from Florida or lives in Florida, trains in Florida. So a lot of things going for her, I think in this respect, the heat and humidity, not going to be too much of an issue for her as we'll get into that with other players later on. So I do think that this is a nice little spot and, you know, fading Barty is not the worst idea right now, as, as, as Fred mentioned, like if you're going to look to oppose Barty on the outright market, that little section where Azarenka's price has been boosted because she's in Barty's section kind of helps you out. Definitely. 
Second quarter, um, another opportunity I'm looking to attack here. Simona Halep is our top seed. We've got Svitolina there as the fifth seed at the bottom. You know, again, it's a, it's going to be a great tournament. Podoroska, Alexandrova, um, Kuznetsova, Kavitova, Svitek, Krejcikova, Madison Keys, Coco, Goff, Caroline Garcia, a couple qualifiers. Just a really nice quarter. But I love the way this sets up for Simona Halep. She's a bye then a qualifier, Caroline Garcia, then probably Coco Goff, maybe a qualifier again, um, then probably Schweitek. But as you start to look at Schweitek, I think that her second match against Krejcikova is not going to be easy. Her third match against Madison Keys is not going to be easy. I'm sorry, her second match, it'll be in the third round. She has a bye as well. And as you start to look at some of the outrights here, Schweitek is 16 to 1. Um, Halep here, I'm seeing 12. There's even a 14 to 1 floating around out there. I think Swiatek has a harder path. I, I like Halep in that match. And then you look down at the bottom there, it's Kvitova, it's Fidelina, and again, two players that Halep should um, have some success against. And then you know, we just talked about the first quarter there. I, I like Halep here at, at 14 to 1 or even 12 to 1 um, to win the tournament. I, I think I'm going to be placing a little buddy there. Um, what do you think, Spread? Simone is my favorite. You said everything that, that I was going to say, so I'm not going to repeat it. Um, she's got a great draw, great conditions, great surface, and I trust her form and, and, and her ability to fight through so much. So that's my favorite outright, um, the only one that i placed so far, and I think that it has by far the most value. If you can only place one bet, I would suggest you bet Simone Halep to win this tournament. Well, that makes me feel better. What do you got to say, John? Yeah, I, I don't hate that at all. Uh, I'm not – you know, I honestly thought I was thinking, man, I'm not one to play Chuck or I don't like the favorites, but she's yeah. not even the favorite in this quarter. Right. Uh, we don't have to win the quarter prices just yet. But in terms of the people in this quarter to like on the outright market, she's not even the favorite, which stuns me that it's Petra Kvitova, at least at Bet365, potentially different in other places where she might be 10 to 1, Kvitova maybe 12 to 1. But at least at Bet365, Kvitova has the lowest... Uh, number the highest implied probabilities to to win the tournament coming out of this quarter which is astounding to me considering she doesn't like the heat she doesn't like the humidity with the asthma she doesn't like slow courts um i think you had spoken to her her success here in the past or you know somewhat lack thereof just a little bit yeah mm -hmm. yeah so like there are some red flags with kavitova here i'm surprised that she's ahead of halep i think the court set up well for halep um and i think that if you're going to attack something this is the way to do it in the second quarter, because I don't think Kavitova should be at least on the outright market. She shouldn't be the top uh, or the lowest price or the highest price, if you will, however you want to look at it. Um, so someone like her, even Alina Svitolina on these courts, as much as she hasn't really shown us that ability to, to win tournaments of late. Um, she, she is kind of one of those Hawks with those 500,000 level tournaments. She can't win a slam, but she's, she's had success um, in other parts of the world at this level before. So, you know, court court set up well for her there. Her number is 33 to 1, I think, at Bet365. So because Kvitova is the favorite on the outright market from this quarter, you're getting nice numbers on Svitolina or um, Simona Halep. So I definitely think those two are, are worth a look in the second quarter. Yeah, doesn't this just feel like a tournament where Svitolina would excel, right? I mean, it's not a grand slam. The services, uh, you know, lend to her strength. And nobody's expecting anything from her, right? So there's no pressure. Um, she's, she's done pretty well here before, and I think in Indian Wells, it's just you start to look at her draw. She has a bye, and then you know she should beat Rogers, but that's not going to be easy. Podoroska or Alexandrova, probably Podoroska, then Kavitova, then Halep, and she's only made her way out of the quarter. It's just it's it's a tough path. It, it is a tough path, but I think that she's kind of like I think if I were to play a long shot, you know, the in between long shots, not the. 
Fiona Farrow that we'll get to a little later. But that in-between long <laughs> shot, you know, the, the 20s and the 30s. Um, I, I would like Svitolina here. I think that she's got a good chance just because nobody's going to expect her. What? Are you mad about the spoilers? He probably is. I don't really care. The most interesting thing we're going to talk about, and you just. Yes. Oh, man. You've destroyed any element of surprise. (laughs) Well, you know what? What the hell? You're already talking. Apparently, it's your turn. I'm mad at you anyway. The third quarter is really tough. Blah, blah, blah. We have a bunch of people that are really good at tennis. Andreescu is in here for the first time in forever. Muguruza continues to play great. Brady and Rybakina get stuck in the same section again. I don't know who the hell's doing these stupid draws. Cannon has a nice path, but it's a mess. Go ahead, spread. All right. All well, happens here. Yeah, I think every, I think everyone's happy that I made you <laughs> mad because that was one of the best rundowns you've given. Just the sheer exasperation in your voice. Uh, that's fantastic. All right. So let's break this down. Andreescu, um, almost the same as Barty here, right? As a wild card. Um, obviously, though, the odds don't reflect it like they do uh, with Barty. Uh, Barty, I see at at nine to one, and Andreescu is all the way out to sixteen to one. Do I trust her yet to find this form? No, I don't. I just think it's at the, the level of WTA right now, the depth, I do think Andreescu will be back, but I think to expect her to get back this quickly with the lack of match play, it's just a little too much to ask. So while I wouldn't be surprised with a good show in here, I just don't see any value in her outright at all. Um, you know, of course, we'll get to fade Sloan against the qualifier. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Anissa Mova, it will be interesting here, but I just don't trust her yet either. Um, kind, kind of coming off injuries and inconsistent play. Um, Petra Mardich is actually someone that I think will be fun to bet match by match. Um, I think the surface actually suits her, her hardcore game pretty well. Uh, so I think she'll be comfortable against hitters or against defenders slash pushers, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, of course, we have the Mercurial Garbine Muguruza, who she's been playing well lately. I think it's really hard um, to not see her coming out of her little section here. I think that Andreescu would really have to return to form or Garbine would have to play really bad. So I like Garbine to come out of the top half here. And then out of the bottom half, you know, Jabor is always worth looking at. Kennen, of course, the game su- su- seem to go well, but she hasn't been playing well. Um so I like Brady to come out of the of, of the bottom half here, and then you get Brady Garbine maybe it, it, to see who makes the, the semis there and who wins the quarter. I think that would be a great match. So I think one of those two would be a good way to look. What do you guys think? Yeah, the only thing I'll add, John, before you jump in, I, I didn't realize Rybakin is 66-1. to 1. Yeah, she hasn't. Has she won more than a match anywhere she's played this year, though? I no, think she's it's been really one tough. Run. She's never played here. She's never played Indian Wells. Um, as I start to look at her year this year, you know, Abu Dhabi was good. Made a quarterfinal there. That's but the one. Was first yeah. round in Grampians. Second round at the Australian Open. First mm-hmm. round at Doha. Second round in Dubai. You know, she's losing to Jabor. She lost in two tie breaks to Siegmund. She lost in Tafero in two sets, Krejcikova in two sets, and then that BS third set tiebreaker nonsense. She lost to Sebalenka in three. So not the worst losses in the world, but you're right. It's hard to get excited about her, but 66 to one. And if she beats Brady, then it's just Cannon in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. And have we really seen Brady do? Oh, I guess the U.S. Open was relatively slow. I mean, the U.S. Open was relatively slow. So I guess Brady making a run there was rather impressive. But I don't think we've seen her do anything on, on, you know, lay cold type um, 
slow courts yet. So that'll be interesting. But I just I don't think Rabakina's form like she I don't think she's won more than one match in a tournament since Abu Dhabi. Um, or yeah. was it the was Australia? Did she go out early as well? You were just mentioning there, like second round, second round of the match. Yeah. You're right. She hasn't won more than one match in a tournament outside of Abu Dhabi since Strasbourg last year. It's it's a little tough with the form that she's really come back to earth. I don't think there's there there. It's hard to make a case for any woman who had their momentum halted or stunted more by the pandemic than Elena Rybakina because she was on. I believe she was on fire before the pandemic last year, um, racking up tournaments yeah. or at least going to finals, and now. She just can't seem to win more than a match or two at any individual event other than like Strasbourg, which is a typical lead into a French Open 250 where the fields are relatively weak. So it's it's really tough to 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 try and make a case for her out right here. I think the section she's in is probably her the biggest asset to your 66 to 1 ticket if you do choose to play it because Brady's in her section uh, and that'll be tough, but I mean the Kenan Shabour match on on slow hards might be worried about Kennan in any other year, but she's kind of going through the same thing as Rabakina right now in, in terms of not being able to really string anything together. She could tell after, was it the Aussie? She was, you know, really hard on herself in her press conference, almost, not just almost in tears. I believe she was in tears um, describing, you know, yeah. not just that match, but her her matches in general uh, leading into uh, that one as well. So she's not happy with herself. Maybe the section there kind of gives Rabakina a chance to get a get a match under her belt, but Kaya Kanepi is going to be no cakewalk. Um, in the second round, if she gets there either, and Lauren Davis could push her to death too. So it's just there's just too much for me to to really see value in that 66 uh, with Rybakina, all things considered. Yeah, it's it's a tough third quarter. So let's jump into the fourth. Carolina Pliskova at the our top seed there um, at number six. Uh, Osaka down at the bottom of the quarter against some fun names in the middle. There, Tom Lianovich, Potapova, Kontaveit, Putin, Savic, Kirstea. They're both Pliskovas here. Kiki Burton's is playing tennis again. Elise Mertens, Buzkova, Zachary, my girl Pagula, who I think this sets up very nicely for. She is in a section with Carolina Pliskova, who you know she was the market favorite over in a recent match, and I think beat her in two sets pretty cleanly. If memory serves me, she's got to buy a qualifier that Pliskova, probably Zachary there. You know, again, maybe Burton's starts to play tennis or something. It's she's just so hard for me to figure out in okay. general, let alone not having ever played. So I like this section for Pagula. I think that she runs into Osaka there probably in the quarterfinals, but Osaka's been very poor on these courts. Um, has not had a lot of success despite how well she did in you know that one run at Indian Wells. Um, what do you guys think here? I'll start with you, John. Um, I've got to tell this is where I would take my flyers um, because we talked about Osaka's lack of success in Miami. The slow courts may not be uh, the best for her. Although to be fair, three, four years ago, Osaka in Miami is not what the Osaka we have now. Who's just, she's just the hard court. She's the best hard court player in the world on women's side period end of story right now. So that has to be taken with a grain of salt, but I would still think that, you know, plus 375 or $4.75. That's a little, (laughs) a, a low for me. She's the tournament favorite. And considering their slower courts and she hasn't had a ton of success here, I'm still going to look to fade and take flyers um, with certain players. Elise Mertens looks nice at over 30 to 1. Maria Sakari at 50 to 1. Um, Annette Contevate, I think, is out at 80 to 1 on slow hard courts, which I don't mind at all. Um, and the one flower I'm really going to take for like a tenth of a unit, 5, 10 bucks. Um, Alex loves this pick is Fiona Farrow at 250 to 1. I will go oh, right that's after. A surprise. <laughs> Such an idiot. 
I'm going to go right after Carolina Pushkova on slow hard courts. Um, and I'll be taking Fiona Ferrer 250 to one for like, five. dude, like this is five or $10 guys. Like I'm not sitting here like dropping a hundred. I don't even know if you could get a hundred dollars down. I'm just mad. On a I'm still mad the spread ruined it. <laughs> I don't even really care anymore. Like whatever you do whatever you want with your five, 10 bucks. I don't care. I'm still just oh man. Yeah. Like this is a minute, like a tiny 10, $15 bet. At I did yawn like, at the idea of cultivate, like, yeah, I wasn't uh, sure if that was performative or not. Ha- no, that was oh, real. Sure. Uh, it's happy to take that bet, by the way. I'll take your Pharaoh bet, your Contivate bet. That's fine. I'll, you can just send me your 20 bucks or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, like, these, are, these are small, but I would take my flyers here. I, I would look to, to have like, you know, 50, 60, 70, maybe 80 bucks and, and spread it around names like Meritons, Contivate, uh, Suckery, and um, Pharaoh, obviously. So I like... This is one where I'm not huge on Plushkova's form. I'm not huge on Plushkova on these courts. I'm not huge on Osaka's kind of past here and the fact that she's she's the tournament favorite kind of boosts everyone else's odds. So I'm going to look for people on hard courts um, that won't mind the slower courts. Um, that you know the slower courts will help people like Elise Mertens who generally get hit off the court against the Osakas and Plushkovas of the world, right? So these will help her. These will help cultivate. They've still got a good enough serve that they're not going to be broken every single game. Um, and you can get into longer, more more well-constructed points. And I think it benefits a lot of those types of players. So you're going to get uh, – there's multiple players over 30 to 1. All four of them that I mentioned were over 30 to 1. One of them is high as 250 to 1. And I think, you know, take – Take whatever your unit size is and have like three quarters of a unit spread around, you know, four or five players here. I think this is the quarter I would do that in um, with the top two seeds in the quarter being so um, low priced. And I think there's red flags on both of their um, for both of them as well. Yeah, I, you know, we don't have quarter prices right now, unfortunately, but I'd be looking to attack it that way. Zachary has actually never made it past the second round here or in Indian Wells, despite the, the fact that I would expect these courts to set up well for that, her. But I'll be looking at her and in some capacity, I think maybe from a quarter perspective instead of the outright. Um, what do you see here, Spread? So I do think Naomi Osaka should be the rightful favorite, but I don't think there's any value yeah. on her. And you know what? No, I was no it's about, about four to one, and it's yeah, no. She's arguably the toughest position. This is nuts. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to take over the last couple of years if you just bet the favorite how many units you'd be down because I'd imagine that these favorites, even though usually they're correct. They never get anywhere near the value um, that that the books offer you. So I'd be curious. I mean, what would you guess? I'd, I'd be guessed that you down you'd be down at least ten to fifteen units. That sounds like an interesting homework year. assignment. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let, let, let's 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 try to hunt some down. But now here's another two fifty to one for you. If you're if we're going to talk about Osaka not yes. progressing that far before, if not we're going to talk about either, courts but... courts being slow. Um, someone like Yulia Putin save us two fifty to one. She doesn't have to play a first round match at, at yeah. bet three six five. She's two fifty to one. You know, another five or ten bucks there. Like again, guys, don't go Add crazy. That. Like I'm Add not betting five units. Send it over. I'll take it. <laughs> but I mean, look at like honestly, if if, if Osaka does go out They're relatively early, if you can get, if you can get, there is some value attacking them on these courts. Like it's going to be really hard. Contivate Mertens and Putin save all in that same little section. If you do get Osaka, you know, out in the, if Potapova pulls a miracle or, or Putin save uses the courts and grinds down and Osaka's, you know, doesn't check out because she doesn't check out. But like, you know, if she gets down and loses that match, I mean, these odds are the way they are for a reason. Like, I'm not saying Putin save is beating Osaka, take for it sure. to the bank, guaranteed, yeah. lock it in, five unit max. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Um, so I, I do think that. There's a chance that Putin Saver could come through there, and if you can get like a Putin Saver versus Contivate, Putin Saver versus Mertens, uh, you know, into the 
into at least the quarterfinals. And then you've got multiple flyers in the top half as well. I just think there's a lot of room for chaos here. And if you're if you're going to try and attack the chaos, you're better off taking four or five flyers with small bets that don't add up too much. You're not risking too much. And, and you do have plenty of um, fundamental backing as to why you're doing it. I think it's it's probably the wisest way to attack the fourth quarter. As much as I am poking fun a little bit at some of this, I appreciate the holistic strategy that you're taking. I think you're right, given these courts, given the situation, all the travel stuff, um, just the general setup of this year, frankly. If you're going to just take a bunch of flyers, I think you're right. You take a unit, you pick four or five players at big numbers, split it up into little chunks, and just spread it out that way. I think that that's a nice holistic approach if you're going to do it that way. Just don't Um, tell Snyes. Just don't tell Snyes I'm going to be fading uh, Osaka. (laughs) I will not. All right, guys, any other thoughts in general before um, I go through and and do my best here to try to recap what we picked? No, let's hear it. All right, as I go through here, you know, first quarter, uh, Vajrasova 66 to 1 is on John's list of uh, little little tickets. Halep 12 to 1, um, spread, and I like that. There's a 14 to 1 available, ladies and gentlemen. Don't um, be afraid of that. You talked about Svitolina, John. I don't think you bet on her. No, I, I I didn't, but I don't mind. I don't mind the number. Um, I just I think there's better there's better options and better situations to attack. Third quarter, really tough. We passed just about every which way we could there. Fourth quarter, again, I'm looking at Pagula 30 to 1. Um, you know, John was looking at some smaller ones here. Zachary, um, Pharaoh, and there was one other I know I missed. Which one was it? Contivate Zachary Mertens, Putin Save a Pharaoh for me. All Contivate like I said, Zachary, Putin Save a Mertens. Gotcha. Probably about three quarters of a unit split up between all five of them. Obviously, you know, Mertens being a little more than a Putin Save or Pharaoh. Uh, just for if people want to track or, or get staking out of it, uh, you know, I'm not going a full unit. I'm not putting 5% of my bankroll on these outrights, right? So, like, tread lightly, understand that that you're still going to make a nice uh, – there's still equity to be had in this if you can get through the uh, the two big players. And I did, uh, ironically, maybe this is irony. I'm not really sure. I've committed to being unsure. I skipped my own uh, as a rank at 25 to 1 on the flight. <laughs> Um, anything else, guys, that I skipped uh, from an outright perspective before we jump through the uh, first round matches we do have? No, let's jump into the first rounders. Not too big of a list. A lot of qualifiers, a lot of buys. Um, but let's go through. You know, Buskova Rus is the first on the list. We're going to pass on that because it's a big favorite. Makes sense to us. Kirstea is minus 435 against someone whose last name is Scott. John, do you have an opinion about that? <laughs> yeah, so a lot of a lot of the way that the wild cards work here, first of all, IMG, I believe IMG owns a tournament, so a lot of IMG represented players get in, keep that in mind. But a lot of stuff goes to like juniors who do really well. Um, one loss today in qualifiers is Toby, uh, Toby Kodat. Like, and so Katrina Scott's one of these juniors that is that is really excelled. And I think is someone that because the market either has never heard of her, doesn't know her, or just frankly, you know, they know that a lot of people are going to put Kirstay in parlays here because of it. Um, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of value here on Katrina Scott. Uh, it, these are slower courts. <clears throat> pardon me. I'm not exactly sure if these are, these are courts that Serrano Kirstay is really going to enjoy playing on um, the serve will play, but her, her, her ground game can be very, very erratic and very hit or miss. And so I, I do wonder if, if, you know, do some tape study, do your own due diligence, as they say in, in the kind of Finn Twitter or, or stock, community but i do think there there might be a little bit of value here on katrina scott anything to add here spread no i'll be interested to watch katrina scott she's like um because coco goff takes all the gravity of all the american prospects right she gets all the attention 
Um, Robin Montgomery is one that John's real high on. But if you look, Scott's actually been competitive against Robin Montgomery um, when they played head-to-head, uh, which makes me think you know she's got pretty good potential to here to be a star as well. So I'll definitely be watching this match, but I'm not going to have a wager. That's but that's strike number two. That's that's strike two on the uh, on the uh, spoilers front, isn't it? Because I'm pretty sure we're going to get to that that match as well. It's okay. I wasn't excited as excited about that one. Um, Kuznets was playing <laughs> Cornet here. Just wanted to tap on this match. No play for me, but Cornet's plus one thirty. Kuznets was right around minus one sixty, um, or you know one point six four, I think roughly in that range. Um, any, any thoughts on you guys here? I mean, Kuznetsov has been playing well. Uh, I thought about maybe betting her, but the price looks just about right to me. What about laying the games? How many games is she laying? Um, I believe it was right around three. Let me try to It'll pull be, that up. It's probably yeah, because just a touch less than three. I think at minus three, I like Kuznetsova. What do you guys think? Other matches we talked about in the same price range are three, like Podoroska, I believe, is yeah, three. Yeah, it should be so, right around three. Yeah, so it'll be two and a half or three because she is. she's a little longer on the money line, but the, my issue with Kuznetsova, she's a, one of a trio of players that I've really either had a great read on in a match or felt like I had a great read on, so I bet big and then lost one. So, like, she did extremely well for me against Strichkova. Easy fade in the Aussie. Made a bunch of money there. But then I tried another big bet with her later, and she just looked like a completely different player. And Angie Kerber has been like that this year for me, and so has Belinda Bencic. I, I just – I don't trust the consistency of these players. And if there's one player on a slow court who can take advantage of that, it's someone like Alize Corday who, you know, if you're if you are the more erratic Kuznetsova as opposed to the playing really well with decent variety, but also can hit and like that well-rounded dynamic game that we're we're used to seeing um, from Svetlana, you know, you're almost I think minus three is great value if you get the latter. If you get the former erratic Kuznetsova, then I think Cornet's value. The problem is we don't know which one we're going to get, and I think it. it it's too big of an influence on the handicap to really assess either side being great value. I mean, you can run your models, you can run whatever you want, but I just don't think that it's a wise bet. I think it's, it's probably best to pass in this spot. I agree. It's just too much to pick apart here. Now we've got Venus Williams minus 140, right around 1.7, <laughs> I believe. Or 1.71, actually. Sorry, I understood that. And, uh, you know, John, I'll just ask you, are you taking Dias here? She's playing Ooh. Venus Williams. I assume you've got a Dias ticket. That's a max bet for you. This is auto. Is the sky blue? <laughs> yep. Still blue. Still blue. <laughs> so Dias money line, Dias 2-0, Dias minus three, four games. I mean, uh, are, are we going big here or is this just a kind of a you know a standard wager for you? No, I won't it won't be like not every not every Venus fade is going to be uh, a big one. And again, Serena Diaz, like it's not like she's been outstanding i mean she had a, a nice decent run in australia but she retired injured right this is her first match back from being one six down and retiring against andreescu uh she needed three to beat mikhail three to beat bogdan slower courts i think help her more than they help venus i'm not sure either really appreciates or loves the slow courts but um yeah I, I, it's gonna be probably a standard play man like it's not gonna be a five unit uh uh, Max it's good. I mean, it's, I'm bummed out about spread spoiling stuff, so I have to force you to give out some VIPs. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little more balanced. Yeah, now, these next how can two you matches, be mad at spoilers when you give out Jorge's VIP plays like every pod? I don't give them out. I make him. No, I do. Out. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind giving. Because out he's not here. Once a week, he's not here. That I just it's all yeah. all, all hands off. All hands <laughs> he's on, on deck. this. Yeah. He's on that. No, no. These next two mind. matches we love together. Two big favorites here: Kenepi uh, minus three ten or one point three. 
1.33-ish against Lauren Davis, who's plus 238 or 3.38. Pritchakova, minus 400 or 1.25 against Blankova, plus uh, 295. Let's call it plus 300, you know, four to one there. Two really big favorites that I think all three of us acknowledge that the favorites are rightly favorited, but but maybe the numbers are a little out of hand. Um, Are either one of you going to hold your nose and back the underdog here? I'm considering Davis. Uh, I'm probably going to pass on Blinkova. I think 25%. She might have like a third, like almost 30% chance at best. Um, but that's a might, like it's not a given. And she's like just above 25% on the on the the average across most European books on implied probabilities. So I, to me, it's just, it's not something I'm looking to do. She's too erratic. She's not as consistent as Krejcikova. I don't like her game as much. I don't like her on the courts as much as I like Krejcikova here. So it, it's one of those things where, yeah, not on blink of a Lauren Davis kind of intrigues me though, just because like Kaya Kanepi's run was fantastic at the beginning of the season. Uh, but I believe it was all done on quick courts and she's got a huge game. And again, like I'm not the biggest court speed guy. I know people out there who are more into court speed in their handicaps than I am, but I've also seen some people who just almost don't take it into account at all. And they look at a hard court record and just pretend like all hard courts are created equal. And I'm not quite at that end of the spectrum either. So, you know, she went to the Gippsland trophy final. Okay. Impressive. Um, but the week before the slam, I, I just, I'm not sold on. Um, then, you know, the Australian open losing to Vekic. I'm not sold on it. So I might try and back Davis. Yeah, I think that's probably the one of the two. If, if I was going to pick one, spread you doing anything on either of these matches? No, I do think that if I were, if you said here's a hundred dollars, you have to choose one of those. I would choose Davis, though. I think that as good as Kanepi was earlier, that th- these conditions would suit Davis more um, for the upset. I, I just don't really believe. Um, I, I I think the Krejcikova has a much easier path to victory than than uh, Kanepi does. Next match, um, Robert Montgomery, a small favorite now, plus 115 or 2.15 against Magda Lynette. You know, 1.41 there, minus 140, or right around 1.7, 1.71. I took Montgomery at, at plus 130 or 2.3 earlier, just like the talented young American. And again, she's been playing tennis. For me, this is a form versus yeah. Lynette, who is her first match um, since last year. What do you guys think? Do either one of you have a side here? I'm leaning Montgomery. I think at your number, it's 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 a must play. I think where it is now is is borderline. It might be like a half unit play, but yeah, the Lynette fade here isn't the worst idea. Um, I, I think I, I do like. I mean, it's definitely Montgomery or pass. It's a dog or pass situation, right? Like we're not going to be yeah. going into backing Lynette off no tennis since Ostrava. I think, and even that Ostrava match, she might still have needed to to not go and play because I think she lost six three six one to Estrivas uh, Tormo. So, you know, again, I'm, I'm not I'm not sold on on laying games with her. One thing I will say, though, and I, I would like to mention this for the Katrina Scott's uh, possibly the Robin Montgomery's. And here's something I noticed today. I, I did take Alexandra Ayala today, uh, who got out to a six four one love and then on return love 40 start and just didn't have enough gas because she's about 15, 16, maybe 17 now with these players that are 16. Yes, exactly. This is something that um, Steve or Ace Previews has talked about. For a couple of years now, I think the first time I heard him talk about this strategy was 2019, maybe 2018. But it is something to watch for with really young players. I'm not really huge on it with all underdogs, but with really young players and the heat and humidity of Miami against someone who might be a bigger hitter, um, 
watch watch for that ability to fatigue really quickly and blow leads. So potentially set one money lines are the way to go. I know if I had done it today, I would have been a lot happier. And it made sense. As soon as she, she couldn't break from love 40, she lost the next three games or she lost three of the next four was down four, one double break. And then it started to be like, uh Oh, like, you know, is Kuzmova's power starting to wear her down with the heat and whatnot. So something to watch for, because these girls are used to playing in juniors and potentially on the ITF circuit against a lot of pushers are maybe used to playing, you know, grown women who hit with a bunch of power on the, t- at the top levels. So definitely something to watch as the week progresses. If you do want to back some of these bigger dogs. Yeah. And you mentioned like, why, why does why does a 16-year-old get worn out? We know that they can exercise twice as long as these players that are 32. It's having to stay at that mental level for so long is not what they're used to, especially when you're as talented as, uh, you know, Robin Montgomery. You win a lot of those junior matches really easily, right? You, you don't get a lot of pushback a lot, usually until the semifinals or the finals. So when you have to grind day after day, just mentally they're not used to it, and that's why I think you'll see a lot of letdowns there in the second half. In the second set, Laura Siegman's a big favorite over McHale. We're going to skip over that one. Collins, a solid favorite again, big minus 263 um, against uh, Keegan Ledenovich, you know, plus 206 or 3.06. And a spread in anything you're looking for there or just a match you're looking forward to watching? Yeah, I, I enjoy watching. I, I think that these are two players that, you know, I mean, they're still big names, right? Um, you know, I think that. Boy, Kiki's one of those ones with the potential, right? It, it never lives up to it. Um, I think this is definitely worth a watch. I'm not going to bet on it personally. Um, what do you think, Jorge? Am, am I missing some value here? I'm not. Ex- I'm not entirely sold on on this being value. I just think that Danielle, like the one thing Kiki can do to you is hit you off the court, uh-huh. and that's pretty much all that she has over a lot of the people that she beats. Uh-huh. Uh, she doesn't have that here. And I don't think Collins is nearly as erratic. I don't know what exactly you'd be backing Kiki on. Although you could say that because if they're both hitting, you know, really well and trying to play a power game uh, and Collins plays that style against her and she's comfortable in it, maybe then you get more of a 50-50 match, which would make this huge value. I suspect if that's the line you're going to take, then you would find a little more value in Kiki Mladenovic here. I don't think there's anything in Collins. I don't think you're going to risk laying all these games against, you know, a kind of enigmatic erratic player who can win a set six two and then you're screwed if you take minus four and a half or five games right mm-hmm. um with with Collins. so i think you are looking at a mladenovich angle here or you're just you're just letting it go it's mladenovich money line or pass it's going to be hard i think for her to cover a spread if she loses this match that's um, another gap yeah ostapenko yeah, big point. favorite over over wang Jiu. i know spread likes ostapenko in this match but john are you thinking maybe about the underdog here yeah, this this is a really big number. Um, yeah, it is, isn't for, it? Should should anyone that can really hit with Ostapenko and Gu can? This is the one thing here is she double faults a lot, but so does Penko. Although mm-hmm. last week she didn't double fault nearly as much as she has in the past, right. but she does double fault. She's known as like that's one of the the leaks to her game. Gu does that as well. It's not like Gu is a pure pusher. She she's got a big serve. Uh, she loves to hit the ball, but she's really erratic. Who does that sound like? I mean, she has. She, this is. <laughs> I think this is a pedigree, reputation, and Ostapenko's been here before and won things before, and that's why she's such a huge favorite. But in the actual stylistic matchup of this all, I'm not exactly sold that she should really be like dollar twenty five, which is what minus four hundred. Yeah. Something like like that's a huge number. Yeah, it is. LA with Ostapenko. Yeah, you got that. I'm not betting it, but that number's wrong. That number's wrong. 
it's hard. It's funny. Ostapenko is one of those players. We talk about a few of these. Maybe it's Ostapenko, Georgie, Siniakova almost is like maybe the lower end of the spectrum where if they play their best, they have the talent, the skill to redline and just beat anybody. But you can't assume that because they rely on that, because there's so much variability in the way they play. There's really almost um, a floor, if you will, to what their price should be. It should never be minus 400. It should never be 1.25. It should always be something better than that. And, and the other thing, too, here is I think a lot of people get scared from fading Panko because when she does win, she could beat you 6-1, six, 6-1. Six, then you get people, you get the trolls on Twitter. Oh, you're such a stupid moron. You bet on a plus 300. They lost 6-1, six, 6-1. One, six, one. You don't know anything. You're throwing darts. You get that, right? And and a lot well, of people. Yes. I mean, I am throwing darts. But what's the line <laughs> yeah. I've never understood that as, as a complaint. It's just, it's to me, it's like. That's the point is like we're playing percentages. Uh, like I'm not sitting here saying Xi Wang's going to win this match 100 times out of 100 and max bet it. Like it, it's a percentage game. And I think a lot of people don't have maybe the stomach to deal with the fact they're going to lose matches 1-6-1-6. Happens to me all the time. I'm an underdog better. I don't care. My clients don't care because we we win more than we lose and we have a positive ROI. We make money in the long run. So I don't really give a damn. And, and if you want to come at me and troll me with it, fine. Go ahead. Like it, it, it's water off my back. And you're probably just doing this because you can't handicap on your own or you overbet the one thing that I sent out. You know, I win 40% of these dogs and you bet, you know, half your bankroll on it. Well, then you're going to be pissed. But I do think that's one thing that comes with Ostapenko matches. A lot of people won't fade her because they're they're scared to lose badly and, and how that affects their image. I think at some point you just got to not give a crap anymore. It's similar again to the Mladenovic thing. You're just playing the yes. money line. I'm not playing Wong on the spread. If she loses, right, she probably just gets smoked. Screwed. It's, there's a better chance she wins than the number implies. Now, maybe the other side of this coin, Tormo, someone that I usually would make a lot of fun of and would be looking my chops to bet against her at this number on hard courts, minus 250 or 1.4, if you will, against Bernardo Pera, right around plus 200 or, or 3 to 1 or, you know, 3.0. I'm sorry, two to one or three point oh odds. Yeah. I mean, Tormo's been great on hard courts lately. I've started to look back. I mean, her, her numbers are finally starting to catch up to some of her performances. Um, you know, I really stopped fading her, frankly, um, the last month <laughs> or so, which has been good, good for me. Um, but what do you think here, John? I mean, are, are you are you betting Tormo? I know that you like to fade Para, so I mean, I can't bring myself to do it, but can you? Oh, give me mud slow courts, and you've got an erratic player on the other side. I mean, Tormo is it's one of those things, though, where even on the uh, in Guadalajara at that huge altitude, it actually helped her because it, it made her serve somewhat more potent. And so her return game wasn't hurt, and it helped her service game. So you, you get a lot of these kind of like contradictory issues. But I do think on, on the slow courts of Miami, she's so informed, and because the main draw is not going to start until um, Wednesday, and if she doesn't play day one or yeah, I don't know. Not a fatigue fade. Right. And, and she didn't, did she make, no, she lost to Layla on the Thursday, Saturday, the I believe in Monterey. So right. no, the final was Layla beating uh, Golubich. So it was, yeah. she's had Sorry, an extra right. day. Um, it, it's going to be five days. It could be f- four or five days before she plays her next match. That's not a typical fatigue fade. The traveling Acapulco or sorry, Monterey to Miami isn't easy, but it's not a huge distance either. You're not changing multiple time zones with jet lag. I wouldn't fatigue fader here with Para, um, but Para is one, again one of those players who, when she's on, man, it's she's really tough. So laying a bunch of games, it kind of uh, puts me off fading her here. Uh, but I do, I do think this this matchup suits Tormo super well. You've got the form, you've got the rest you need to back her. You've got the courts you want. I, I could certainly understand if people want to back uh, Tormo on the the handicapper minus games. 
two matches we're passing over here. Peterson minus 220 against uh, Wang Jinyu, plus 175. Know your Wangs. Um, Pekovic is, you know, even or so against Zhang minus 120. We'll just we'll pass all right over that. And then we'll go to um, Christina Pliskova minus 250 against Katie Balter plus 200. At first glance, I was really excited about Katie Balter. And, and after doing a little more homework here, Pliskova at minus 250 or 1.4 feels more right than it does wrong. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think the big thing going into this too is um, watching Katie Bolter in her last match. It was not good. She, I, be- I believe she had an MTO, um, tried to fight through it against Anna Karolina Shmidlova oh, in yeah. Monterey. Uh, yeah, that, did, that didn't go all that well for her. Uh, she got to four all in the first set. Some nice serving, some nice, you know, big hitting rallies on both sides. And then you could just see she couldn't really get to balls. Like it almost looked like she was jogging and she didn't care, but you could tell her movement was really, really hampered. She went from four all first set to four, six, love six. Like she lost eight straight games to end the match. That's a huge red flag. You know, when you're on her at bookmaker, you know, you kind of want to say, Hey, I applaud her for not retiring and at least fighting through it. But like, yeah, I would have preferred you retired. Right. Like I, w- I would prefer to avoid on that <laughs> money line ticket. Just going to say like, it's admirable, but yeah, still screw you just a little bit. Um, so yeah, I-, I do think that that's a huge red flag. She's lost three in a row. Now the, the losses to Dash, I don't hold against her. Like that's, that's a really tough matchup for someone like her, yeah, especially when, when Dash has been in form. Um, they weren't nice losses. They were pretty ugly losses, but Kasakina and and Christina Pliskova aren't comparable in any way at all. Um, whether it be what hand they serve with, whether it be the style of their game, their movement, nothing uh, about them is similar. So you can't really use that as a comp. Uh, I think you can use Schmidlova a bit more, and that injury puts me off betting Bolter here. In normal circumstances, probably value, but in normal circumstances, I don't think you'd get this price, right? So onward we go. Um, we've talked a lot about money lines without spreads, but here's a money line we're going to pass on it. And I think John and I are both on the spread here. I've laid the three games. Potteroska's minus 160, or I think that puts her right at like 1.64-ish um, against Myers-Sharif, um, plus 130 or 2.3. I've laid the three games again with Potteroska. I think she's the better player. I think she's deserving of the favorite. And this is a situation where if she does win, it's it's hard for me to put together a situation where she wins and doesn't cover that number. So happy to save a little bit mm-hmm. of money there. Um, was able to get that at minus one hundred six. I see you nodding, John. What are you doing? Yeah, I think those. That's all. Those are all excellent points. Um, I think you're buying the dip here too. You're buying low. Uh, she didn't look that great in Mexico. She was really trying to force things. I was really surprised. Uh, she didn't really play it's her not style. Serve day. It just seems like her serve just disappears every once in a while. Which which is tough because in that altitude, like the serves are going to be more. Um, you know, pronounced, right? So if your serve is gone and your your opponent's isn't, it becomes harder for a grinder like her to break down someone else's serve when you're in, I think, 1,600 meters of altitude, which is about a mile, I think. I'm not sure. Um, then you've got, you know, again, in Monterey, less altitude, but she was really trying to force things and she was being more aggressive than I think we're used to seeing her. And that's not, it's not exactly her style. She was committing a lot more errors than we're, we're, we're used to seeing. But if she can get back onto the slow courts, playing a grinding game against Maya Sharif, who unless her serve is really, really working. And if it is, like you said, I think she could win outright. Uh, but unless that serve is really, really working, her movement's not great. Um, and even though she's good on clay, I, I watched her Monterey against Davis. And this is just a much better version of, of Lauren Davis. And, and Davis's game plan was perfect against her. Move her around. She has, her movement is a huge weakness. And I think if Podorosa can move her side to side, she should win this fairly comfortably. I'd almost look at taking alt games if you have them. Um, like Pinnacle will offer five, right? You can buy 
a game, a half game, you can play the regular spread or sell yeah. a half game or game. I would look to sell if you could to, to at least three and a half um, off the three and because these are relatively key numbers. If you can get to minus four as well, maybe look at a two nothing. I think there's a lot of angles you can attack here. Like I said, Sharif could serve out of her mind uh, and win the match, but the, the percentage wise, I think this is a huge value play for Podoroska. I like it too. Now, now spread. Alia Tomlianovic is plus 170 or 2.7 against Potapova, a young player that we like quite a bit, but Potapova here at minus 220 almost um, seems seems pretty like a, an aggressive favorite. And we love Tomlianovic. Are you going to be back at the Australian dog here? No, she did. I don't know what happened to her. I, I'll be interested to see if something comes out that she's dealing with something because she went from a player that that we were pretty profitable back in and, and the, the two, well, the two eighties, but you know, the two fifties and the five hundreds. Yeah. Um, right. And, and it was doing well against players, especially players, you know, ranked out of the top 50 to a player that you can't uh, back at all. Um, it's really kind of, you know, been disappointed to see a player, um, the great personality, fun to root for, you know, just struggle so much. And then you go against Potapova who has all the talent in the world um, and her problem can actually be mental sometimes. I think that sometimes she gives up a little bit too easily um, and she can get frustrated a little bit too easily. And I think she was one of the players that really benefited from, from on-court coaching, um, which is now gone. So I, I just don't think Isla could, it can, it has the game right now to trouble her. So if I were to play this, I would go ahead and lay it um, with Potopova here. Although she's not an exciting player too because of like i said the inconsistencies i just mentioned earlier but i don't see how you can bet tom lonovich right now it's tough what do you think john i'm just i'm not a fan of potapova's pricing right now i do think she's someone i bet against frequently this year i think she's overvalued Uh, i think this happens a lot with young players who finally make a run somewhere Um, everyone just assumes okay she's finally broken through it's gonna happen every tournament now and the Uh, tape that he's good right i mean you watch potapova when she plays well right and it's impressive but she's yeah, somebody but we loved two years ago. We backed her a yeah. lot. Yes. Um, you know, you got to be ahead of the market, though. Now I think it's caught up, and it's probably gone a little too far in terms of overreaction. And and it it's led me this year to fade her multiple times. Um, I just – the thing about the Tomjanovic, has she really looked that poor this year? The Storm Sanders loss was awful. Uh, just terrible. But three sets to Pavlyuchenkova where she, she won the first. She handled these at Cabrera, as you'd expect. Three sets, 5-7 in the third against Halep at the Aussie. Um, she handled Doi. She lost to Cornet in three, kind of, I think, lost a bit physically there in the second and third. She lost to Sabalenka, five, seven, four, six. And she handled Linju. So she's she's been handling players on a level she should. She's been losing in tight ones to players that are better than Potapova. So where is the in-between there is really, where do you put Potapova on a scale of, you know, Doi, Cabrera, Zhu to Pavlyuchenkova, Halep, and Sabalenka? Right, she's somewhere in the middle there. It depends on where you evaluate her game um, and how how overvalued th- or undervalued you think her game is. That's really going to decide whether you come up value on Tomjanovic here or not. I'm leaning towards passing just because, again, these courts are so different from everything in Australia. So it's it's almost like you know it, you can't really take a lot of those matches uh, and bring them over here. I also don't know how Potapova is going to react with her erratic game on slower courts. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is a. a a pass and just watch the match and enjoy what could be a great match. 
Sidney Akova is minus 154, a red on 1.65 against Kanju, plus 125. I played Kanju here as a wild card. You know, again, she's been playing a little bit of tennis simply because Sidney Akova, again, should be never be favored over anybody. Um, Kanju's been much better than the tennis she's played. I grabbed her at plus 130. What do you guys think? I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, I don't like, I, this is just a match where I, I'm just, I don't like getting involved in Sidney Akova matches. Like Sinyakova is probably actually a deserved fave. I'll disagree on that point, but a dollar sixty to dollar sixty-five seems a bit much. Probably a dollar eighty. Made. I have it as a pick em. If I was yeah, laying this, it'd be somewhere. A pick em. Somewhere in there between a dollar like seventy-seven minus one thirty and a, and a pick of it minus one ten. Uh, but I mean, I, I just I guess that, that would mean there would be some value on Kanye. But I'm just not. I'm not sold on. I, I we don't know what her what her physical level is yet. She's still coming back, and she looks like okay. She's building a match or a, a win or two, and then it's just looks horrible in the match she loses. And it's just it's one of those things where I'm still not convinced. We we know what her health will be on any given day, and so I, I'm I'm glad to pass on it. Teichman's. Playing Bedosa here. Now, Teichman's minus 286. She's approaching minus 300 or 1.33. So right now, I think she's right around 1.35. Bedosa's plus 220 or, or 3.2 here. Um, wanted to bet Bedosa, but Teichman really has been better kind of from a numbers perspective. The angle I did attack here was over two and a half sets. Um, I think this is going to be a really competitive batch. I was able to get um, over two and a half sets of plus 170 or 2.7. I like that all the way down to, you know, plus 160 or 2.6. What do you guys think? Any angles from you here? Go ahead. No. Go ahead, Spread. No, I you go. Say, I, I like Dykeman <laughs> here. I know, I know that we always target dogs, and I think that's the best way to approach, um, you know, the high volatility of betting women's tennis. But, you know, um, there, there is also times where the favorites do have value here, and I just, I just like the way the Tykeman's been playing so well. Um, I, I don't mean to discredit Bedosa in any way because uh, I do like her game and and give the obligatory just because we see the Spanish flag next to her name, right? Doesn't mean that um, she can't play anywhere off of clay. You know, I think that does come into play a bit, but I've just been really impressed with the way Tykeman's playing. I think she's the deserved favorite, and that's where my money will be. Anything to add, John? Yeah, I, I do think that she should. I, I think this is probably priced about right. I, I, I'm surprised I'm saying that as a big Bedosa fan. Like, I'm a big Bedosa fan. It's just, mm -hmm. this is not a great matchup. I don't think the courts are great for her. I mean, she's, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, I believe. Bigger bigger game than people realize. Not sure this is the spot that she wants to be running into Jill Teichman in. So I think this is probably priced about right. And I, I'd leave it alone. Um, and then the second round match here. Let me pull the draw back up. What's the second round match here? I Jabour, right? That could yeah. be a spot where I almost want to pass here. So Winner is on this, I'm almost blindly betting against Jabour. Right. She doesn't like Miami. You've really? mentioned she doesn't like okay. North America at all. Uh, I think Teichman on slower courts, she's not someone that's going to be bothered by the variety of, of Jabour. The serve might you know, might not be as impactful on slower courts from uh, from Ons. And I'm wondering if if Teichman can just run a ragged in, in the heat. Um worker side to side i wonder if that could like i think there's you'll get her as a dog and i think there's a lot of different good uh, a lot of a few things i'm um, sorry that that will really benefit teichman in terms of the handicap and i'm pretty sure that if i get an underdog price there my, my numbers and, and the way i evaluate things will show a lot of value on teichman so i'm almost rooting for her here to win the first match just so i can get to a match where i can bet on it um in the second now we have what match left and uh you know John loves Pharaoh. That's basically the theme of the podcast. Maybe Spread will just go back and talk about that. Sounds like John's a cool like, sitcom. John loves Pharaoh. I'd watch that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't find I wouldn't find that. Pharaoh's <laughs> minus 143 here, you know, right around 1.7. Zhang plus 116 or 2.16. I have no action here. Zhang, I, I think, is probably overvalued given she had success last week. She crushes those little tournaments. The, the 250s events where people aren't playing, she loves those. Um, now I don't think highly of Pharaoh necessarily on hard courts, but to me, this is a fairly even match matchup. But Pharaoh is just the higher talented, higher class player. So it makes sense to me. She's the favorite. But John, I know you're all over Pharaoh in this situation. So what are we doing here? Money line? Are we laying the games? What's the plan? I think there could be enough. Like, I don't like to go too low um, or pay too much, I should say. I keep getting those backwards, but I can see why people would think either way. I don't I don't like to go too far down uh, in terms of the decimal odds on um money line but i think i you could definitely justify it here i'll probably be attacking this from a different uh from a few different angles um i've got to look at the the peripheral numbers here on on odds portal first but i'm just not sold on size Sai Zhang. like she she who like she did she's done nothing she went three with begu who i think is overvalued she took krejcikova three um you know might be the most impressive result she's had other than the gracheva win like francesca jones who's still emerging beat her in three and i mean it was six two three six six two like it wasn't like one bad set but the other two were dominant she lost to danielle collins um misaki doi handled her in doha ribakina who hasn't looked great this year we talked about this absolutely walloped her in dubai you know and lee took care of business after a, a relatively close first set i think she was a little bit bothered by Zhang, uh, Zhang's returning ability. And so, you know, once she was, was able to get her serve more consistently held in, in Monterey, she she kind of wiped her 6-1 after that. Who is Zhang has beaten Gracheva, which was okay, decent win as a slight underdog. And then Lin Zhu, who has just, she hasn't been good for a long time now and can't put anything together. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand what's a, what's attractive in the price here for Zhang. I think that Fiona Farrow's got a good serve. She's going to love the courts. Um, and I think she's just undervalued on the money line here. I think she's undervalued in the outright market. I think there's a little bit of uh, hate out there for someone who – is she a top 50 player now or is she just on her way to the top 50? I think she ran into the top 50 um, on a decent 2020. For some reason, like, yeah, I remember her being 47th. Yeah, she's 44th entering this tournament. Um, you know, she had a very nice 2020 um, when they came back from the um, pandemic. Jeez. The one that's going on right now, the pandemic that's happening <laughs> as we speak. And I totally blank on what it is. Like, geez. But I mean, yeah, she won Palermo on clay um, against, it's not a direct translation in, in terms of to slow hards, but then <laughs> she ended up going to the French and, and made a nice run there and then ran out of gas against uh, Sophia Ken in the fourth round. So I, I really like uh, Fiona's game. I really like how it's progressed and I'm happy to see her have, have progressed so much. So yeah, definitely we'll be backing her against Sai Sai Zhang in some capacity. I don't know if it'll be a big bet. I don't know if it'll be a small bet. There might not be as much value on the 2-0 um, because I generally want to have a higher threshold with WTA 2-0s for favorites. Um, I, I generally need to see some some really nice value to put that forward. But if it's if it's there, um, it could be a, a multi, multi-pronged bet, if you will. Well, folks, it's, it's been our first show in a little while. I think it showed just a bit. I couldn't keep my composure. Spread is spoiling things. John forgot what COVID Pandemic. or coronavirus was. Pandemic. I wasn't even that. sure what word he was looking for. But we thank you. I, I think that was pretty good. We got a lot of value, valuable content in there. We appreciate you guys oh. watching. We'll be a little better tomorrow, I think, when we come back um, and, and cover the men's side of the draw. Um, Speak for yourself. So make sure that you follow us on Twitter at NetWorthPod.
So you're there and you know what it's happening. Again, probably, excuse me, a little earlier in the day tomorrow, but we shall see. Gentlemen, anything else here before we uh, wrap it up? I just want to say last week was a great week uh, for the Net Worth Pod because Dasha won and Layla won, right? Could this be any better, John? True. I love yeah. Dasha this year. She's made me some nice money. She screwed I me on one bet. Outright. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So he's really happy. There you go. It was just fantastic. I love it. Money's better than it. anything. Yeah. That's right. Well, thanks, folks. Well, Canadian title. Ratings, reviews, likes, whatever you can do. We appreciate all that support, and we'll be back soon to cover the men's side of the draw. See you then. Good luck in all your